Hi guys and welcome back to another true crime and makeup time video. If you're new here, my name is Zara and I post a new true crime video every single week. So if you enjoy these types of videos, definitely make sure to subscribe. It would mean so much to me. Oh my God, I feel like I haven't said that in forever. But today's case is about a marriage. You know those marriages where money and status is at the epicenter? Well, this is one of those. Imagine you're young, you're dating around, but everyone you're dating is just a bum and these relationships aren't in. Then you meet a doctor who's also a pilot and he comes from a well-respected family. On your first date with him, he flies you to a romantic destination. It's all you've ever wanted. Your life is about to change literally. Today's case had me hooked, so let's just jump in. We are talking about the marriage of Robert and Gail Bierenbaum. Gail Beth Katz was born on 8th March 1956 in Brooklyn, New York. Her parents were Sylvia and Manny Katz, and she had a sister, Elaine, who she was very close with. She also had a brother named Stephen Katz, and I do believe she had some other siblings, but their names are just not public. Gail and her family moved to Long Island, New York when Gail was nine, and she was a straight A student. Her father was the type who kept his emotions pretty close to himself, but when he let them loose. He really let them loose. He would yell and scream at his family. Her mother believes that this behavior of her father caused Gail to be quite soft-spoken and quiet and develop low self-esteem. Gail loved Broadway shows. She was on the honor roll at school and this caused her to graduate one year before her peers. Gail loved Broadway shows. She was on the honor roll at school and because of this, she was able to graduate one year earlier than her classmates. Her low self-esteem eventually led to Gail developing depression. In 1973, after high school, Gail followed her boyfriend to the State University in New York in Albany. And every relationship she had with guys was always very intense. She would date a guy for a good period of time be all in, be super in love. And then if that relationship ended, she would just jump onto the next one straight away. After this relationship with this guy in Albany ended, she quit college. She dropped out. Her parents were devastated when Gail decided that college wasn't for her. Given she was so smart, they felt that she was making a mistake. Gail much preferred drugs and parties and chasing guys. Soon, Gail found herself in a new relationship, this time with a musician, and she moved in with him in his apartment in Manhattan. She ended up becoming a bartender at a club. Then soon, that relationship also ended. By 1979, when Gail was 23, her parents just felt that she was in a downward spiral. She had no career, no man, no future, according to them. During this time, she attempted suicide multiple times because of her depression. For the next year, she was in and out of psychiatric hospitals. And I was talking to a couple of my family members about this, and they were saying like back in the 70s, if you were like 23 and you had no guy no plans for like a family, it was considered like, what are you doing with your life? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure if that it was like that for everyone, but it does make sense at 23 if her parents just felt like 
you know, her life was over because she didn't have the things they expected her to have. But by 1981, she got a job as a receptionist at a graphic design firm. She also began dating again. And this time, her friends introduced her to a man named Robert Bierenbaum. On their first date, Robert rented a plane and took them flying over the Manhattan skyline. I mean, what beats that, guys, on a first date? You know, back then, I'm sure not many guys did things like that. And Gail was smitten. Even her family was smitten. Robert was a doctor. He was Jewish. He was wealthy. He came from a wealthy family, a good family. He was extremely intelligent. Apparently in high school, he wound up teaching the math teacher calculus. Robert, known as Bob, was born on 22nd July 1955, and he loved planes, aeronautics, aviation his entire life. And although he followed in his father's footsteps of becoming a surgeon, his father was Dr. Martin Bierenbaum, who was a cardiologist. He never gave up on his dream of becoming the first Jewish astronaut. Bob was short-tempered and often awkward around large groups of people, and his dating life was essentially non-existent. For a short while, Bob was engaged to someone, but it just didn't work out. And Bob wound up telling a friend that he was looking for a woman who was pretty, bright, interesting. And this friend immediately thought of Gail and introduced the two of them. Their relationship was really a whirlwind, and Gail, she loved adventures and Bob's pilot license enabled them to go on many adventures and Bob was just super excited by how impressed Gail was by him. Bob honestly seems like the guy that most parents want their daughter to marry. I mean, he's intelligent, rich, a surgeon, speaks many different languages. He's a pilot Um, and he actually got his pilot's license while he was still in high school. And even though it seemed like the perfect fit, it really wasn't. Gail was super high maintenance and needed a lot of attention. And Bob was super chill. Like after he went to work, he just wanted to relax. And he was the type of person who wanted to relax by himself, you know, didn't want to be bothered by anyone, which I kind of get if his job was so high stress. They were actually very different people, but the initial Excitement and attraction is what brought them together. Gail was a little bit more free in her life, but Bob, he wanted to control, you know, what she wore, how she spoke, where she went, and he also didn't want her to smoke anymore. The fact that she smoked infuriated him and she would sneak cigarettes behind his back. But strangely, even though these cracks began to show early in their relationship, Bob still proposed to Gail and she accepted. It's believed that Gail wanted to please her parents, that she had this goal of marrying a doctor. And after the troublesome last few years that she put her parents through, she just felt like this was the right thing to do. This was her way of setting things right in her life, like following the right path. And she decided that even though she didn't really love Bob, even though she didn't find him sexually attractive and apparently they were also sexually incompatible he was too good of a catch to let pass by but prior to them getting married gail had confided in her friends as well as her sister elaine about certain incidents that took place in the relationship three weeks before their wedding gail comes home and she sees bob holding her cat 
underneath the water in the toilet. He was trying to kill the cat because he was jealous of it. Her sister was like, what the? And like told her, hello, don't marry him. She told her to call off the wedding and multiple friends did because they knew about Gail's true feelings towards him. But Gail's mind was made up despite this horrific incident. I think she felt a lot of pressure to have this happy ending. And obviously, this is not a good start to the marriage. On 29th August 1982, Gail and Bob were married in an Upper East Side synagogue. And even on their wedding day, Gail just did whatever Bob's family wanted to keep them happy. She ended up wearing Bob's mom's wedding dress even though she didn't like the wedding dress she just wanted to please them and from the very beginning their marriage was like just one long never-ending argument bob worked at the maimonides medical center in brooklyn and gail just felt neglected because of the long hours he worked as a plastic surgeon when he came home after a 36 hour shift he just wanted to relax and unwind by himself on his computer and Gail began to feel like she had no one to talk to she was sick and tired of spending all day alone at home and Bob was sick and tired of returning home tired after working you know long hours to fights and arguments Gail was also disappointed that Bob's income didn't allow her to spend money like she believed a plastic surgeon's wife should be spending money like. She believed that if she had the freedom to just spend whatever money whenever she felt like, it would relieve her boredom. I believe Bob was still a resident. It's not very clear, so I don't think he earned like that much money. In January 1983, Gail was thrilled when Bob's parents offered to rent them a brand new apartment in a brand new place, a really nice place, it was on uh, in Manhattan's Upper East Side at 185th East 85th Street. Um, this was the same building that was used in the opening of the 1970s TV show, The Jeffersons. Let me say one thing. The addresses in America are so annoying. It's like the 17th East Side District of 185th. Like where, just tell me 12 Smith Street. You know what I mean? It's so... Bob encouraged Gail to pursue her education. So she enrolled in Hunter College to pursue her degree in psychology. As well as this, she did like odd jobs on the side. For a short while, this new apartment had sort of kept Gail pretty occupied and busy and happy. And for a moment, it felt like this marriage might actually work. But for many people, including Gail's parents, they really believed that this couple had the perfect life. And it's funny, right, from how outside looking in, people can really assume, you know, what goes on in a marriage. And especially when people put on facades of living in amazing homes and driving fancy cars, you know, wearing the clothes, having everything. People believe that that's what makes you happy. And, you know, if you're in a marriage, if you're in a relationship, you would know that truly that's never going to keep you happy for long. Inside, though, their relationship, their marriage, was filled with constant fights. Co-workers would hear them arguing on the phone if they were at work, and even Gail's parents knew about how constant their fights were. Each Sunday, their neighbors knew to expect a fight because that was the only time they were both home at the same time together. Their fights would also 
turn physical. And this happened early on in their relationship. If he caught Gail smoking, he would strangle her. If they had an argument and he didn't like the way it was going, he would grab a kitchen knife and threaten to hurt himself. Gail knew how much Bob hated smoking, how much he hated cigarettes. So she would light up cigarettes in the apartment, fill it with smoke, and then sit back and laugh at how angry he was going to get. But Gail was terrified of not being financially self-sufficient if she left him. So she stayed with him and continued this toxic cycle. To relieve her boredom, Gail looked for excitement elsewhere, outside her marriage, to satisfy the gaps in her marriage to Bob. Bob seemed to immerse himself in his career. He was really focused on becoming a first-class Manhattan surgeon. Gail brought many guys to her apartment, just out in the open. Many of the neighbors had seen these guys coming back and forth to Gail's apartment. She even told all her friends about these affairs and would compare their sexual skills to Bob's. I found this strange given she was so, you know, afraid of him. She seemed pretty lax in her cheating. And then because she was getting, you know, her fix elsewhere, she would avoid having sex with Bob by going to bed with all her clothes on. One day, she had just been with a guy and she went out on to the balcony to smoke. And suddenly she hears Bob coming home and she didn't have a chance to put out the cigarette in time. Bob lost his shit, began yelling at her about how bad smoking was, and Gail lost her shit too. She started yelling at Bob about how much she hated him, how much she couldn't stand him, and he lost it, came at her, and strangled her till she was unconscious. When she came to, he profusely apologized, said that he would never, ever do that again. There were multiple incidents of violence in this marriage, and Gail had openly told her friends and family about these incidents, especially this one where she was, you know, choked till she was unconscious. Her friends told her to report these incidents to the police, and I believe she did make one report, but after this, she insisted that Bob go see a psychologist. At one point, Bob told his best friend Edward that going to marriage counseling was going to save his marriage. In November 1983, Bob saw three mental health professionals. He saw two psychiatrists and one psychologist. Now, this part was a little bit confusing and I kind of had to like figure it out a little bit on my own. But basically, the first psychiatrist, Dr. Duran, was so alarmed after a session with Bob that he ended the session telling Bob to go home and then he made sure to tell Bob can you make sure that Gail calls me when Gail finally called Dr. Duran Duran was relieved like oh my god I thought Gail was going to be killed and this was because after one session with Bob she felt he had an unstable personality she warned Gail about her fears and about her life possibly being in danger and that she should leave the relationship. The problem is when Gail was on the phone to Dr. Duran, Bob was also listening in. So Gail just thanked her and she said she's going to be okay. After this, Dr. Duran apparently had like three other phone calls with Gail to ensure her safety. Then basically Dr. Duran just didn't want to deal with Bob anymore. So she referred him to another psychiatrist. Next was Dr. Bone. And again, after speaking with Bob, he called Gail to make sure she was safe. He then referred Bob to Dr. Stone, who 
After two sessions with Bob was like, oh my God, I need to call your wife and make sure she's safe. This Dr. Stone ended up having some sessions with Gail and these sessions were paid for by Bob's father. So Dr. Stone met with Gail on 20th November uh, 1983. And after this session, he ends up sending her a letter. Now in this letter, it was a recommendation to end the marriage because he was afraid for Gail's safety. He said, you need to end this marriage or I'm afraid you might be hurt. Gail ignored this advice and told Dr. Stone that a woman's place is by her husband's side. Dr. Stone did not treat Bob anymore. And later on, he told police that he felt that Bob was a psychopath. I mean, what the hell was happening at these sessions for three professionals to be like, this guy is crazy. So when I dug a little bit deeper into this letter that um, Dr. Stone sent Gail, it's a rule called the Tarasoff rule. And basically it's like a rule which requires mental health professionals to warn people about threats made against them during sessions. They have a duty of care when a patient poses a threat to an identifiable third party. So in this case, Bob's wife. Then Gail began to see her own psychiatrist, Dr. Sybil Baran. She would tell Dr. Baran that she was extremely anxious about staying in the marriage with Bob. She told her about this strangulation incident, about how he would react when he caught her smoking, how he would become enraged over the smallest things. And she told Dr. Baran about her intention to leave the marriage. She wasn't happy. And Dr. Baran also wrote her a letter advising her to run away from her marriage with Bob, that he was concerned that Bob might kill her and that he believed Bob to be psychotic. After this, and I'm guessing this is like the fourth professional, right? So Gail now is like, oh my God, okay, now I'm starting to get concerned for my safety. Everyone's telling me to leave this man. So Gail tells Dr. Baran that she was finally leaving Bob. She was looking for an apartment and she had found someone to financially support her. In July 1985, Gail confided in her sister, Elaine, about her plans to leave the marriage, leave Bob. And she tells her that she could not stand having no money if she left him. So she was going to use the letter that Dr. Baran wrote her about, you know, her safety and how she needed to leave the marriage to negotiate a good settlement. Gail had now graduated from college and she had met someone else. She met a man named Ken Feiner. He was a psychologist and she was extremely happy and in love with him. She planned to divorce Bob. And in the meanwhile, she was able to get a loan from the bank. And this allowed her to financially sustain herself for the period when she was leaving Bob because she knew that she was he was going to cut off the finances. By 4th of July 1985, Gail was done and she was ready to tell Bob that she wanted a divorce. On 6th July 1985, Ken, the guy she's in love with, gets a prank call and he tells Gail, hey, maybe this was Bob. Maybe he's figured out that we're in a relationship. So she decided that, okay, I need to immediately tell Bob before it kind of gets any worse. So she said, I'm going to confront him now and tell him this marriage is over. She made up a list of demands, things that she was going to ask Bob for, things that she wanted to leave the marriage with. She was going to tell him that she she needed this much money. She already had an apartment, etc. She also tells Bob about the police report she had filed the night that he had choked her unconscious 
as well as a letter from her psychiatrist warning her about Bob being a potential threat to her life. She tells him, you know, do you want this out there? Do you want this public? Do you want me to just tell everyone about this? Because this is going to ruin your career, ruin everything you've worked for. Gail and Bob fought all night, all through the night. And this is corroborated by neighbors who stated that they just heard them fighting all night. Neighbors say the next morning the fight continued until they heard a door slamming. They just assumed that one of them had stormed out of the apartment in a rage. The next day, it's Sunday, 7th July, 1985. Bob goes to his sister's house that evening because it was his nephew's birthday. So he arrives alone and when his family's like, where's Gail? He's like, me and Gail got into a huge fight and she stormed out. He said she went to Central Park to cool off at about 11 a.m., but She didn't arrive home in time to leave for the party, so I just left without her. Throughout the night, Bob was telling people about this fight with Gail, and he was also saying that, you know, she didn't come home, and she's been out for hours, and it's kind of, like, upsetting. But then he goes home, and Gail's still not there, so he's like, hold on. So he calls Gail's parents, and he's like, hey, did you, have you heard from Gail? It's midnight now. He tells them about the fight, and they say, you know, no, we haven't heard from her, we haven't seen her. 36 hours after he saw Gail. After multiple people urged him to report her missing, he finally goes down to the police station and reports her as missing. Now, from the get-go, police found his behavior incredibly strange, didn't seem like someone who was concerned about their missing wife. During this time, Gail's friends and family are putting up the posters, asking people if they've seen her, but Bob's family is kind of over there going, oh, you know, maybe she committed suicide. Maybe she just ran away with another man. Like, instead of being concerned about, hey, where is she? They were putting out their own theories of what they think she did. And their scenarios were, you know, she ran away or committed suicide. They were more worried about Bob being seen as innocent rather than genuinely worried about where the hell Gail was. So Gail's family searches their apartment and then they find Gail's bag still there with her wallet, keys, and her cigarettes there. They found this really strange because, especially if you're a smoker, if you're going to cool off, you're going to take your cigarettes with you. When Bob was questioned by the police, he tells them the same version of events that at 11 a.m. Gail went to Central Park to cool off and when she didn't arrive home back in time to leave for the nephew's party, he left without her. He says he hadn't seen her since. He tells them about Gail's shaky past about her suicide attempts and he believed that she was currently suicidal but he didn't tell police about his massive fight with gail that night even though he had told everyone else when they questioned him about this he says that they only argued about finances and things were fine right after he says they had a romantic dinner that night before gail went off to central park at 11 a.m he also had told her friends that he actually went looking for gail between 11, like 11.30 to 5.30 p.m. that day. So that's like six hours. And he found her towel and her tanning oil, right? But he didn't tell police about this. And honestly, his story was just kind of all over the place. Also, when police wanted to search his apartment, he was super delayed in responding to them. So it took them like two months to finally get inside the apartment and search it. And it also ended up being a very limited search because he lawyered up when he felt that he was being looked at as a suspect and Gail's family knew that Bob knew more than he was sharing. Police were informed of their volatile marriage and Gail's plans to leave Bob. Her friends and family kept 
looking for Gail. They knew Bob was involved in her disappearance, but no one could find Gail. And that made it really difficult to pursue Bob. Bob then cut off all contact with Gail's family and he cut off his involvement in the search for Gail. Given, you know, his wife was missing, you would think he would keep a low profile, but no, he went partying in the Hamptons like he was just newly single. He fooled around with a bunch of women playing the sympathy angle. He meets a woman named Roberta, and two months after Gail's disappearance, Roberta moves in with Bob. She was an anesthesiologist and she asks Bob, what happened to your wife? Bob tells her that he doesn't know what happened to her, but he believes that she's still out there. Soon after this, police find this disoriented woman and they believe that it was Gail. So they call Bob like in the night and they go, hey, there's this woman. We believe this to be Gail. Can you come down to the station to identify her? Bob's response was now, right now, you want me to come down right now? Can't we just do it later? Can we do it in the morning? And police were like, uh, if this is your missing wife, don't you want to kind of come right now and see who this is? Like, what's wrong with you? And then he's like, fine. So he goes, but before he leaves, Roberta's there, right? So he tells Roberta, I'm going to go down to the police station. They want me to identify this chick, but don't worry, it's not Gail. Now hold up. How does he know that? He hadn't even seen the woman yet. Once he left, Roberta was like, he knows she's dead. He knows Gail is dead. For him to say that, he knows. So she digs around the house, just trying to find some information. She finds Bob's flight logs. She finds that the day that Gail went missing, he had taken a plane out. But when she's looking at the flight logs, she realizes that the date was amended. Initially, it was written as 7th July, so the day that Gail was last seen, and it was amended to read 8th July. A couple days later, Roberta begins talking to Bob once again, and she says, so you chopped your wife up, you took her on a plane, and you threw her body parts out of the plane. Now, how would most people react? But Bob, he doesn't say anything. And Roberta doesn't say anything. She just doesn't say anything. She freaks out and she leaves the relationship, but she doesn't go to the police. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't do anything about this. Years passed and there was no sign of Gail. And then one day in 1989, a torso washes up in Staten Island. The body had been surgically dismembered. They believed this body to be Gail's because one of the bones on the hip had matched an injury that Gail had had. And this was done through x-ray as there was no DNA testing available at that time. Gail's family was finally able to put her to rest. Even though Gail's death was classified as a homicide, nothing linked it to Bob. Bob was a free man, so he escaped to Vegas to just live his life. He played the field, dated tons of women. He met Jane Chollett in 1985, and they hit it off so quickly, and soon they were engaged. She was an OBGYN, and to be able to get married again, he needed to obtain a death certificate for his ex-wife, Gail. This was the first time that Jane had learned about Bob's ex dying 
of homicide. She freaked out, but Bob, you know, was able to persuade her that he had nothing to do with it and he was just a grieving widow. So they continued on and got married. Soon Bob got a job in Minot in North Dakota and he moved there with Janet to start a new life. He got involved with the Flying Doctors of Mercy where he traveled to Mexico and performed free surgeries uh, on children in need. In 1998, he had a daughter and Bob and Janet were extremely happy, happy with their family. And it had been 13 years since Gail went missing. Bob had a new life, new wife, new family, new job, and he had completely moved on. Gail's family, however, were left searching for answers still. On 3rd December 1997, though, Detective Andy Rosenzweig told Elaine that he was reopening the investigation into Gail's disappearance. He was about to retire and he just could not move on from the case. He said that the autopsy report on that torso that was found showed that Gail had been dismembered using surgical instruments. Bob was a plastic surgeon. He felt that they had their killer. They just needed to prove it now. What doesn't make sense is though that they found the body in 1989. This is seven, eight years later. Why not link it then? But this guy, this detective was now reopening the case and wanted to solve it. So the detective's like, let's pursue this, right? But first, they need to make sure that it is Gail. And this is because forensics had now evolved. DNA testing was now available. Back then it was just the x-ray, right? So they were like, let's prove that it's Gail. Let's prove that, you know, this Gail was dismembered using surgical instruments. Who would have access to surgical instruments around her? You know, it's Bob. So then he had to ask her family if they could exhume her body. They were not happy about this. They had finally laid Gail to rest after all these years and now he's asking to bring her body back up put her through this trauma and it's like making them relive through the pain all over again but they did agree because they felt that if this is the only way to get Bob let's do it the results of the DNA were shocking you ready the body was not Gail's the police went back and interviewed everyone they even went and interviewed all the guy all the girls that bob had been with since gail went missing and all these women just gave conflicting stories they spoke to roberta you know the first obgyn who found those flight details and she shared this information with the police about how the dates had been amended she tells police that she believed he got rid of gail on his flight that day. Huge news. And Bob had tried to cover up this flight log and never even told police about taking a plane out on the day that Gail went missing. They subpoenaed the flight log and it confirmed Roberta's claims of a corrected entry. Detective Rosenswade confronted him after work in North Dakota. Bob was shocked. On December 6th, 1999, Bob was charged with the murder of his wife, Gail. The case was entirely circumstantial. There was no evidence. There was no witnesses. There was no body. The trial took place on 18th, September 2000, and Robert, Bob, pled not guilty. The prosecution believed that Bob killed his wife, Gail, on 7th July, 1985, dismembered her body, put it into a duffel bag, and took it with him on his flight and threw her body in to the Atlantic Ocean in pieces. 11 witnesses testified that Gail had told them that Robert abused her, 
and threatened her that she was afraid of his temper, that she was going to finally divorce him and that he snapped. Along with the testimonies, they showed the letters from the psychiatrist that recommended Gail leave Bob before he killed her. They showed the corrected flight log that he took the plane out on the 7th of July, but he corrected it to show that he had taken it on the 8th of July. That if anyone was able to dismember a body, it would be a surgeon. Bob claimed he was innocent. The defense painted Gail as mentally ill, a serial cheater. She was suicidal. She was unstable. They also claimed it was impossible for Bob to physically fly a plane and throw body parts into the ocean at the same time. But the prosecution brought in four expert witnesses who proved it was possible to do so. They testified that Robert could separate bones at the joint on a woman of Gail's size in 10 minutes. He could pack her body parts into a duffel bag and carry it through the back of his apartment building and walk the two blocks to his car, drive to the airport and then load the duffel bag onto the plane. They claimed that the way that the airport was set out was easy enough for Bob to unload things from his car and load it onto his plane without anyone seeing him. This is how they believe he got Gail's body onto the plane in a duffel bag. They then claimed it was easy for him to fly the plane and dump her body parts into the ocean below as that plane was an easy to operate plane. The motive they put to the jury was that Gail was going to leave him. She made new plans. She had a new man, a new apartment. She threatened him with this therapist letter if she didn't get what she wanted, that she was going to leave him, take everything and ruin him. Robert had even made references to some of his friends that he wanted to kill Gail. Combined with all the domestic violence issues in their relationship, Dr. Baran testified that Gail was not suicidal and he believed that Robert would kill her. After more than five hours, miraculously, the jury found Robert Bierenbaum guilty of murdering his wife, Gail, and sentenced him to 20 years to life. His medical licenses were revoked. I mean, obviously, what's he going to do? Practice in jail? Then, we're not done. In December 2020, okay, Bob had a parole hearing, and he finally confessed to everything. He said on July 7th, 1985, he murdered his wife, Gail, in their apartment. He then rented a plane and took a two-hour flight over the Atlantic Ocean. He then opens the door to the plane and he dumped her body parts into the ocean below. He claimed she wouldn't stop yelling, so he strangled her to death. He also said he killed his wife, because he was immature and didn't know how to deal with his anger. Just straight up admitted it all at his parole hearing. Literally wasted everyone's time for years. I guess he gained time though in the process, right? And Gail's body has never been found. I can't believe things like this even happened. Poor Gail's family, poor Gail. I mean, I know some of you guys might find this weird, but I always think about the actual victim, right? Like I know she's gone. I know she's dead, but her body is just somewhere in the ocean, you know, like in the middle of the ocean. Does her soul feel it? Like, does her soul know that her body is not at rest? You know, like, was she, I mean, it's in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Like her soul is just kind of like the fuck. 
Every time we see a red flag in people around us, guys, we need to listen, listen to our gut. Gail knew something was off with him and no matter what she did, you know, no matter how she chose to live her life, he had no right to take hers. Forget the status, forget the money. Our lives are the most important asset. Oh, what do you guys think? Have you heard of this case before? I swear there's like a huge documentary on it, but the audio was terrible. So I, I didn't end up watching it, but it's such an interesting case. And it's just wild that people do this to people they love, supposedly. Let me know your thoughts down below, guys. Thank you so much for watching. And I will see you in the next video. Besitos. Bye.